For more than half a century, Peoria hummed to the tune of its bad reputation. Far from a blandly typical Midwestern town, it evolved arguably into America's most unchecked sin city, a place where the municipal government worked hand in glove with racketeers, madams, and other underground businessmen. However, one judged the sin city, and reformers looked at it astonished and tried for decades to shut it down, there was widespread agreement on one thing. It was anything but dull. Sitting on the banks of the Illinois River, a convenient way station between St. Louis and Chicago, Peoria played host to all sorts of travelers from the 19th century. Among gamblers, frontier traders, and traveling laborers, it gained a reputation as a place where any and all desires could be satisfied. And even after it grew into a full-fledged city with its own industries and institutions, the reputation lingered. Outside observers were shocked by how openly the vice trade flourished in Peoria. City Hall took regular payments from those running gambling and other rackets, and through the police department collected license fees from all prostitutes, who were obliged to be checked for social diseases by certified doctors. Because it still carried a disreputable odor, the business of vice was open to all comers. Not surprisingly, at a time when one of Peoria's largest employers refused to hire blacks to anything other than menial roles, some black Peorians turned to the red light district as the best place to secure their livelihood. Fast forward 80 years to July 8, 1966. Larry Dean Bright was born and opportunities for women of color on the streets of Peoria hadn't changed much. For most of his childhood, Bright led a very traditional Midwestern life, from high school football player to ruthless cold-blooded killer. This transition for Bright came swiftly, leaving the families of his victims with more questions than answers. A warning before we start. The material in this podcast is very dark. We will be discussing violent crimes against adults and children. This episode contains mature adult content not appropriate for minors or adults with large sticks up their asses. The kind of spectacle that will make you question your morals. Listener discretion is advised. empty all of the devils are here faces of death round two welcome everybody it's the boys from illinois the pub time podcast that's right man so we're here at uh it's still round one of round two right yeah matchup one we've got challenger underdog the bone crusher larry bright Hometown Zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking on the Gray Man, the Wolf of Wisteria, Albert Fish, who you heard a few days ago. Yeah, Larry Bright is probably the second most famous crackhead from Peoria, right behind Richard Pryor. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a hell of a list to be I, on. You know, um, but there's another... I know plenty of other There's another heads. famous Richard, not from Peoria, but... Related ties, to ties Peoria, Peoria, ties to Peoria. Not a crack smoker, though, uh, so he's yeah, not on this list. Never know. I mean, the man grew tits in prison. I doubt. So I'm sure he's into a cracks crack. of other kind. But Richard Speck, which maybe we should dig into that sometime. It's been on the list for a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's up there. Um, <clears throat> I mean, really, his his whole, especially once he ended up in prison. Right. Anybody, anybody that will go through the procedure of 
getting breast implants. And he did it before it was cool. To be a power bottom in prison. That's what I'm saying. I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. He was a tranny before being a tranny was cool. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner, move over. The original. He's the Christopher Columbus. Macho man tranny savage. Of, tra- of trannies. <laughs> I love it. Uh, a trailblazer. In the tranny community. I mean, if as fucked up as it is, if you think about his existence, especially once he was put in prison, he's very much. He he is very pub time. Oh, yeah. he's That's a fuck shack in his jail cell every night. Are you kidding me? You ever seen any of those videos? No. No. no? You, oh, dude, there's videos of a... him and like when he's in prison and like he's sitting in the corner of a cell. I he's do... just got a pair of tidy whities on. He's got kind of a longer haircut. He's got tits. And there's some black dude in sunglasses in the other corner. And he start, they start talking about how he's going to suck his dick and all this stuff. I do remember them saying he got treated a little differently in prison. Like he was allowed to, uh, you know, maybe like his celebrity a little bit. He was able to do some more. I things. don't know how this video, whatever, but I mean, where, apparently, where like, do you get this video? At? You can find it on YouTube, yeah. uh, parts of it. But I believe that there there are parts of like more explicit had, parts that they had to cut out that you're not going to probably find on YouTube. The Booty Warrior was Mike <laughs> Wallace there. Who's <laughs> the there? Booty. I don't. Ed Bradley. It's literally Is this pasty white Richard Speck and a yeah. pair of tidy whities with his legs crossed like a woman and, and man tits. And a black guy getting ready in to turn sunglasses. It out. And I, they're smoking He's getting ready to see what I Bob mean, had for lunch. I'm okay with that. Um, it, it's uh, interesting. And just, just it's just interesting to see him in that state. How do you come across this on YouTube? What do you search? Once in a while. Are you on the, like, the History of Peoria Facebook page or whatever? Once in a while, Not. someone will... Okay, so once... It, it seems like it happens every couple months. Someone will post a picture of... Richard Speck and the trial or something in reference to it. And it never fails. People start commenting. My mom was on the jury. My aunt was on the jury. My uncle, my grandma, yeah, yeah. Uh, my so-and-so, my uncle's grandma's cousin was a Everybody knows guard somebody, at the yeah. Peoria courthouse and escorted him across the street. All this shit. But there, it gets in there and like people eventually, hey, have you seen the video? I mean, it's almost always mentioned in every chain Did of comments. Did anyone's family members say they fucked Richard Speck in <laughs> I don't prison? think so. Oh, they didn't want to own no, up. No, but to it's that like one? I it might even be like a formal cuz I think he was in like Menard County or something. It might even so. be a half-assed formal documentary, honestly. With him getting banged out? Well, I don't know. I'll look it up right now, but it, there's there's some formality to it, I believe. I'm going to type it into my Google machine. That's what I'm saying is Geraldo Rivera watching them like might, someone's got to be there. Richard Speck documentary. Let's see if one of the okay right there. That's the that's right there is the the that's image I'm talking about. I like that that's what I'm saying. Too. That's yeah. They laid out. Oh yeah, old boy's getting ready. To and they that. they start they ask him. He looks him, like Patty. What's old boy's name in UFC right now? Everybody's got. I don't know, but they start asking him, "Did you kill him?" He's like, "I sure did." I mean, he almost and that's the thing is in that video he really like glorifies what he did. Like he's very proud of it. And everything else, um, I feel like we've talked about some. We just one of these days. Yeah, yeah. If this was, if we weren't in this series, no, I'm all in on this. Man, oh, but I'm man saying titties. This now. this almost has become that. If this is almost has become Al Capone. This is weird enough where we move on. We just like fuck Larry Bright. And we just move in on man. <laughs> we why we, couldn't we? We have officially inserted Richard Speck is the eight seed. <laughs> no. Why couldn't we? Um, but. And really, uh, he probably qualifies. What? Oh, is a serial killer? Yeah, yeah, he killed like seven or eight nurses. But it was in one incident. Mm, you sure? Yeah, it was so one, one incident up in the suburbs of Chicago. Breaks into a dorm at like a nursing school. Yeah, yeah. And one of the girls I see, manages... I thought he was a re- repeat offender. No, one got away. And... One of them manages to hide under the bed and get away. And she testified against him in court. And so they, they moved the trial to Peoria because they felt he wouldn't get a fair trial near Chicago anywhere. Right. And this uh, the young woman testifies against him in court. And they ask him, can you identify the assailant? assailant? Yeah. And she gets up and walks down off the stand. And she's a little tiny thing. She gets down and walks off, walks off the stand right in front of the table he's sitting at and points right in the face. That's him. And it's like, that takes fucking balls. 
Right. Big well, old I think, brass balls. I think she knows at that point his ass is gone, though. Yeah. She ain't got nothing to they, there's about. rumors that the door that was entered as evidence, there was a door with blood on it from the dorm that was entered as evidence, is still in the basement of the Peoria County Courthouse. Yeah, it probably is. But probably, I'm fascinated by They stuff probably like clean that. that basement out as well as they clean the streets of Peoria. So That's true. That's true. So, speaking of Peoria, as Larry, you've heard, we're t- Larry yeah, Bright. Larry Bright. Um, Local hometown crackhead. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, not necessarily Peoria, though, right? We're talking about Peoria area. No, Peoria. Okay. I For some reason, I had in my mind he was, like, from Canton. Uh, he's out that way. He lived in Abington and... Floater. Yeah, but... Vagabond. His house, mom's house. We'll get to. They always live in mom's house. It's probably out towards Mossville, if I had to guess. Hey, you know one thing I realized, and I've said this on this show, I think even with the intro, and I've said it outside of the show when talking about it. Um, what intro? In regards to these different serial killers, I said, you know what? Dahmer had a pretty normal upbringing. Because I, I, for some reason, I thought he did. Not the case. And like this documentary reiterated that fact not a normal upbringing yeah we didn't really get into it mom was the weirdo mom the weirdo con they were constantly arguing there's some debate over if she was on some weird meds while she was pregnant that may have fucked him up dad was like a fucking scientist at ohio state dad professor fairly stable for sure he just married the wrong one yes and the other child turned out to be just fine his brother so which maybe makes you think that if it was, well, there was two things they referred to. One being the medication that mom took during the pregnancy, and two being dad references that at one point in time he had to have uh, Jeff when he was like seven or eight had to have some sort of a I don't know if he had to have like a, a kidney removed or some sort of medical procedure, right. and that he was never the same after that, and. Now, who knows? I mean, granted, we're talking, this is a long time ago now. It's almost 40 years ago, 50 years ago. But I imagine, who knows? There's a lot of things that could probably happen during a surgery. Deprive the brain of oxygen or whatever for accidentally too long or whatever the case may be. That might set a few screws loose. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe some of the different uh, medicines they use. Maybe the trial's still out on those. Could be. Did you know that the day... Um, the day that I think it was the day that he was killed in prison was the same day that John Wayne Gacy was executed. There's something either. Yeah, there's a tie there. Yeah, it was either those two things happened on the same day, or maybe he was found guilty on the there. But there's a connection. Maybe guilty because I think he lasted longer than Gacy. Gacy, I think, was dead in '93. Yeah. But yeah, but, but there was some sort of connection that I, I, I saw. I actually, as a what would I have been eight year old child, I kind of remember watching part of his execution. Oh yeah, on the news. I wonder WGN or something. Do you think that when you're, if you are that type of person, do you think they're aware of others? Like, do you think they look at it as like a? They view what they're doing as if they are in competition with others. Do you think? What, to like be the best killer? Or that they're like, they're aware of others, other killers, or maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah, you think. But see, I don't feel like that about Dahmer. Like, and even watching no, that. No, he, he was probably in his own little world. Even watch but. that documentary, you almost feel like. Uh, now, granted, way fucked up eating people, but you could tell almost he wasn't proud at all of what he was doing like you could tell he didn't feel good about it like he knew that what he was doing was wrong he did what didn't really feel great about what he was doing it, it was he it was just this compulsion that he couldn't control so he bellies up to the table you're telling me he's like shedding a tear before i'm not saying that i mean obviously the guy i don't think it was lacks any, by any means. emotional connection but like yeah. he says the moment he's arrested he goes i deserve to die for what i've done like, yeah most of them just want to die but the thing is and that's what, one thing about road. him that's a little different than some others is he was very forthcoming 
about everything. I mean, he helped them find and connect the dots for pretty much all of his victims. Well, he, had, he didn't. He, he had didn't, a stack of fucking Polaroids. Yeah, yeah, like it was playing cards. But he didn't. I, and again, I'm not trying to sit here and make him out to be some sort of martyr. But like, you're a huge fan. Just go he, ahead and say it. Once it once he was caught, and I think it probably surprised him. It took as long as it did for him to be caught. But once he was caught, he was basically just an open book. Like told them whatever they wanted to know. Yeah, but don't you think? But that he's one he probably gets off a little bit on telling people. Well, and that's another thing I saw that I'd never heard before is once he was in prison, there's a lot of people. There's reports that he would, um, he would make some weird comments to people like. Walk by somebody and play be like, with his food at lunchtime. And I bite, you know, yeah. type of thing. Or that he would shape his food into like a penis, and then he'd use, gobble it up. Use ketchup to simulate blood in different scenarios. Oh yeah, he's strange as fuck. Um, I mean, I think we we discussed that in depth. Yeah, but I mean, these guys, and I, I don't know much about Larry Bright. Tried turning some man's chest into a salad bowl. So I mean. We know he's weird for sure. Caesar salad. It's uh well in the documentary, just the the first episode. Or maybe it's no. I was watching the second one, and that's the one they showed the the kid with get the hole drilled in his head that yeah, escaped, yeah. and then the cops gave him back type yeah, of deal. Yeah, yeah. And once he has him in his room, and like the kid's trying to get out of the bed, and there's a dead black guy on the floor, like, and he's like, "Don't worry about him," <laughs> like as he's pulling him back to the bed. There's, there's like, one, and they talk about it, but there was one movie that this part, I guess, was fairly accurate. He had some asshole in his tub for like two weeks, right? And he'd get in there and shower on top of him. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. one of the Dahmer, not documentaries, you know, like. Movie series, whatever. Right. Uh, I, I said he'd watching. string, he'd hang bodies in a shower like like you were hanging up a deer, and gut them. And you'd have to. Where the fuck else are you gonna do it? I don't know. I've never had to consider what I would do in that situation. I don't know. <laughs> Look at I don't how know. apparently you have. I don't know. If I eliminate this person, how <laughs> shall I? The tarps are cheapest at Harbor Freight. <laughs> and you get the little gambrel down there, too, to hoist them up if you need to. So there you go. Here's a DIY tip for all you weirdos out there. So when we get into Larry Bright, it, it sounds like his relatives, you know, kind of point to prison as being an initial motive. Because at the age of 19, um, after his only other arrest... He did a two-year stint for residential and vehicular burglary. And when he got out, his family noted that he seemed kind of changed, a little rougher around the edges. And it, it seemed like he also had sort of acquired a taste for hard drugs like but now the let's, powder. Let's let's take a guess at what maybe could have happened to young Larry, more than, li- more than likely in uh, Peoria County Jail. And then he more than likely got moved out to maybe Pekin, Canton, somewhere like that, where he would have easily been the minority. Um, you think he got turned out? Oh, I definitely do. I definitely. Now I've also heard. I, I I've kind of like not so much recently, but there's a year or so ago I was going down the rabbit hole, watching some YouTube videos of a guy who did basically spend his life in prison, right? Um, from teenage, you know, late, you know, eighteen to. 40 mm-hmm. and uh, all over the place. And he has all these crazy stories he tells. And one of them is he's like, you, he goes, there's more drugs in prison than there are on the streets. Right. Um, and you got nothing fucking better to do, right? When you're in prison, you might as well be fucking high or whatever most of the time because nothing else going on is good. Right. And how are you getting them drugs? Um, I imagine they are being keistered in one way or another. Well, I'm saying you personally... In that cell, how are you? What what kind of favors? Oh right, how are you, you paying know? for them drugs? Yeah, yeah oh, I'm sure all sorts of weird shit happens. That's what I'm saying. I don't think Larry got them round lips yeah. from eating square meals. I mean, <laughs> you want you want to do a little free base? 
Come here, Larry. I'll show you how you get it. A little free base in exchange for a little fuck face. <laughs> That's right. <I> mean, <laughs> Let's roll. Fair trade. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't for a second not believe his ass didn't get violated. And maybe that's what but it seems changed. Maybe, but it seems like the police have some doubts because, you know, they say there, you know, there's almost two decades that passed between, you know, his initial incarceration and didn't mean the he, murders. Didn't mean he didn't still harbor that same hate, you know. And, and it's certainly, for a certain group of people. And, and without knowing any of the details at this moment, it, it's certainly possible. That I just like to, in my mind, Larry Bright got fucked. Okay? That's the picture I'm painting. I feel like I feel like in your mind, anyone that's ever done time in prison, like you know, you like you know, like uh, like Dale Doback envisions his Jesus in a Leonard Skinner T-shirt. I uh, so or a tuxedo T-shirt with angels wings singing lead lead for Leonard Skinner. You envision all your ex cons as on all fours. I sucking dick for an eight ball. Well, maybe not eight balls, but orange is the new black. First, sure. cu- first couple seasons, I was like, God, I really hope this is what women's prison's like. And then towards the end, that's probably what... It got really boring. You know what I mean? It was more like Game of Thrones in the beginning. A lot of fucking, a lot of dirt. Loved it. But there's only towards so much... The no, there isn't. But if you're limited to basically a confined area... You can pass that cast around a little bit. Let someone die off. Let someone new move in. Big fan. I mean, there's only so many times you could. No, no, not for me. I'll I'll tune in. I'm gonna every come week. off. I'm gonna come off the snatch for some of them ramen noodles. I will tune in every week. I'm gonna chisel through the wall with my but toothbrush. Instead, shank. I get stuck with Tasty. You ever watch Orange Is the New Black? You know Tasty. A is? little bit. I watched like early on. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I think Larry. Larry was Tasty. So. You know, kind of uh, moving on with Larry, you know, throughout interviews with the police, he would sometimes blame the murders on his drug habit. And uh, he said he, you know, first smoked pot at a young age, like most people, um, with his father, who is has now been deceased. Um, he had a construction job, back injury that led to dependence on prescription painkillers. Again, that's not uncommon. I, and by I, the time... I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that Larry was a roofer. A roofer or a roofier? No, roofer. Rufio. <laughs> By the time the slangs, though, you know, his, his spree, he'd become addicted to crack. Um, so I'm assuming at that point in time, he moved to Pekin. <laughs> why not? I don't why know. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? It's like you want to play music, you move to Nashville. You want to be an actor, you move to L.A. You want to be on crack, you move to Pekin. I know I talk a lot of shit about cocaine, but crack never. I've got close, but never tried <laughs> got it. Close, never tried it. Um, so in '93, when Larry was living with his fiance Christy in uh, the Rolling Meadows Trailer Court, which is I'm sure where dreams are made in Abington, Illinois. That's a love story. Are you kidding me? Love story. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. So he he has met his trailer park princess, Queen of a, my double wide, and on August 9th. Um, her seven-month-old daughter, who was in his care while while mom slept, started coughing, and the child died in an ambulance ride on the way to Gillsburg Cottage Hospital. Uh, police report at the time called the death quote suspicious, and Larry was brought in for questioning. He informed the investigating officers that he tried to save the baby by administering CPR. Now that's one thing I'll say about like baby. CPR. Infant CPR. Yeah. Is this Wildly one of those things different. like, well, it is. But even like if you fuck it up, you pro- if they're not dead, you could kill them. Correct. Right? If you don't know what you're doing. And if you've ever seen Larry. Because Larry don't Larry's strike a big me. big mongoloid. Larry doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's going to be doing his the two-finger. Educated. No, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's he's like lots of things. He, he's Lenny. He's not one of them. Yes. He's Lenny of, exactly. of Mice and Men. With the that breaks the dog's neck, the puppy's neck, just pets it and does pet, my sorry, pet is. the puppy George. So, um, Dr. Lanny Turner, who was the ER physician, reported that he was kind of somewhat suspicious regarding the case and concerned that Bright had possibly seen blood 
uh, being coughed up and was concerned with the fact that the child's temperature was 93 degrees when she arrived at the hospital, which is, that's, that's that a, sounds that's hot, but issue. that's low. Yeah, that's, that's, that's wild. Your um, body doesn't naturally do things like no. that, yeah. And the detective of the case, James Thompson, who is now the Knox County Sheriff, he investigated the case. And according to his report, Bright Larry D. was to have been examined by the polygraph examiner for the Illinois State Police Division of Forensic Services and Identification. So apparently lie detector test is in store for Larry. He did not appear for his examination and again did not appear when rescheduled. Um, his reasoning for appearing was that he had to work. And upon an attempt to again reschedule, he stated that um, he decided to not undergo a polygraph exam and made the decision based on comments made. Bright made the decision based on comments made to him by friends. No, we've, we've discussed this before. How do some of these fuckers get away with doing this? If I, I imagine if either one of us were called in to take a polygraph, we just like, have you, we know show. Now listen, you and I, we've both worked in education. We, we coached for a long time and we've had our fair share of really great upstanding kids, um, kids that were the opposite of that. And who always gets the breaks? The kids that are opposite of that. Yeah. It, there's, a, and I get that in some cases it, it's necessary um, in a school setting because maybe, you know, you, you are providing them an opportunity to escape their whatever shitty environment. But like, it seems that's a theme though that carries into adulthood. Oh, yeah. Because, um, there's probably gigantic pieces of shit that get pulled over while drinking and driving or whatever. And like, just, you know, it gets brushed off or they, who fucking knows, but repeat offenders probably get the benefit of the doubt, not the benefit of the doubt, but more like, well, Hey, at least you didn't kill somebody go home. Right. Right. Where if I leave here tonight and I get pulled over and, and blow a point oh nine, like I'm going to jail. I'm not going to get any fucking slack. And it's going to it'd be the full st- first time I've been pulled over in 15 years at all. You know what I mean? But they don't give a fuck. It, you know, it, it's just crazy how. Like we talked about, even in, in the school system, there's always you give a mile to these kids that yeah, a little social promotion kind of thing. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah. And and maybe they just figure the repeat offenders, you know, well, you're eventually going to end up in jail. I just don't feel like fucking with you tonight. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm not going to fight this battle. Um, Hope to win the war. So, uh, yeah, he just decides he's not showing up um, for said lie detector test. So, you know, there's an investigation from DCFS. They get a warrant. Um, they searched the trailer in Abington where the incident occurred. They report that it was a mess, no surprise. Found massive amounts of bugs, no surprise. Dog feces um, in one area inside, no surprise. Um, they read him as Miranda writes, but he remained adamant that he had never mistreated the child in any way and that he loved her as his own. That's not a defense. I mean, What's that? That he loved her as his own? I, She's I never, only seven I months old. as my own. Yeah. That's not a defense. I don't trust him. So autopsies performed by uh, pathologist Mary Jimbelik, Jimbelik determined that the death was not a result of shaken baby syndrome, as first suspected. Uh, she did find a heart condition that could have been the case, or excuse me, the cause of death, and there were no signs of bruising or abuse. So the I'm, case. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call a little bit of horse shit. You know, because he describes to the ER doctor that that baby was coughing blood. I mean, I imagine a heart condition could lead to that. Right? I wouldn't think Possibly. so. Possibly? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but uh, I, I'm guessing that some sort of a weird heart thing could... I would, if now, you were hi- coughing, hindsight's a motherfucker, you know what I mean, but... I'm, I'm I'm guessing if there was blood I'm being caught. I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe he was guilty. Or maybe do you think he was... Was there signs of 
was there signs noticed by any of the first responders or the ER doctors that saw signs of blood being coughed up? Did he? Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he fabricated that part of it. I don't know. You know, are there? Seems sketch. Are there post mortem signs of suffocation that can appear? Say some, you know, baby had a pillow put over their face. Would there be any sort of signs that would show up in a autopsy? I don't want to be giving any tips out, but I don't think so. You know, that's a, I don't know if there's anything that would show, like, cardiovascular stress or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. In something so small. Right. Um, You know, I, I'd almost, again, not a doctor, but fuck, something like that could probably cause the appearance of a heart condition. Yeah, because... You know what I mean? You stop breathing, your heart is... But, oddly enough, the case was closed. Um, later that month, August 21st, 1993, him and Miss Lady get married. Um, how, how do you ask this question, but how do you marry somebody that possibly killed your child? It's even, it's even a, there's a 10% chance that, that they murdered your child. I don't know. Um, I just don't understand. Obviously, something in the water out there in Abington. I don't know. Um, it wasn't a happy or long union. And less than a month later, on September 16th, 1993, Christy asks and is granted an order of protection against Larry, claiming that he has been hitting me and won't leave me alone. Um, is he hitting her from behind? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> what? You feel like it would have lasted longer than a month if that was the case. Uh, so on March 2nd, 94, Christy, who's then 19 years old. this What a life. You're 19. Your, your child's dead. probably been murdered. You've married her murderer. And a month later, you're divorced. And or a month later, you're filing an order of protection. Less than like eight months later, you're filing for divorce and um, claiming extreme and repeated mental cruelty. And, um, you know, of course, you and your soon-to-be ex are both upstanding members of society and classify your employment as unemployed. And uh, their property totaled a stereo, a fish tank, a trailer, a washer, and dryer. And Larry's address was listed in Peoria. How do do you divvy all that shit up? I mean... I think I. How many lawyers you got to get in on that? I would say I'd take the washer. Do you get one speaker? I'd say I'd take the washer and dryer. She can have the rest, but I got to have somewhere to put it. So I need the trailer. So maybe I take the trailer and the washer and hang dry my shit. That fish tank. Or I take the trailer and the dryer and I wash my stuff in the fish tank and put it in the dryer. (laughs) Or I just take the stereo and take my chances on the street. I'd probably take the stereo myself. That trailer's fucked. It's fucked I got can't roaches. imagine what... And again, I know there's there's a lot of people in this world that live their life like this, and that's very sad. But, Jesus, like, here comes a point in time where you're a grown fucking adult, and you know the difference between right and wrong, and you have a functional fucking brain, and you can formulate what it takes to change your circumstances. Are you talking about specifically oh. living in a trailer? No, I just mean with piles of shit in the kitchen. Specifically li- living a life of complete mediocrity right. and, and like uh, basically choosing that, right? Because we we've heard it before, your circumstances are one of two things. It's either something you've chosen or something you have accepted, mm-hmm. right? And uh and and there's very few exceptions to that. So uh, you know, sure, kids are victim of their circumstances for to some extent, but that's usually a result of a piece of shit parent who has made either, their choice for them. Yes, absolutely. So, um, the history of Mr. Larry Bright indicates a pattern of violence and abuse of women uh, that would later erupt on the mean streets of Peoria. Yeah, so I I don't feel that his divorce or any of that, you know, I don't see much of a motive there. I don't, I don't, there's nothing in there 
And not to mention that we're talking probably 10 years earlier, you know, before he really starts to ramp things up. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think that any of these things, like you said, that happened triggered any of this. It, it was just more so, obviously, we have a giant piece of shit on our hands. Um, there's not many, there's not too many people that end up that end up in prison that aren't pieces of shit. Uh, so let's kind of like you said, we'll fast forward a little bit. His first known victim was 30 year old Sabrina Payne. He picked her up on the outskirts of Peoria, offered her money in exchange for sex, uh, drove her to his house. Um, during his interrogation, he claimed that he had no memory of how he killed her. And, um, he, you know, he says he was intoxicated, but the autopsy implied strangulation. Uh, after the murder, he loaded the body in his SUV, took it to a confined cornfield outside Tremont, which is a small town well, about 10, 15, 20 miles outside of Peoria, where it was discovered on July 27th of 2003. So not, I, I think the days of just dumping a body somewhere are, are over, right? I mean, there's just too good of technology. Yeah, you're, you're gonna be. You'd have found. to be pretty picky. I, I mean, I would say. Uh, I it it just seems cornfields. I would say not good. You know, at least no. twice a year, someone's coming through there. Yes, and at the very least, you know, there's gonna be bones. Yeah, which carry DNA. Uh, you know, you're not off the hook. Yeah, days, days, like you said, days are gone that you just roll somebody out in a cornfield and your ass gets away. Dump them in a river, whatever. So in early 04, he meets 33-year-old sex worker Laura Lawler, um, no relation to Jerry the King, offers her money in exchange for sexual services, strangles her during intercourse. I mean, that could have been an accident. Yeah, just went a little too hot. Yeah. um, That happens. And he burned her body in the backyard to dispose of any evidence. And in July of 2005, he identified her from a photograph that was presented to him. I mean, do you think he strangled her before, during, or after he finished? Lord, forgive me, but... Definitely during. Yeah. Definitely. I would, I mean... During. In his just, mind, maybe he didn't know that's how this ends. He was ends. overcome. He was in the throes of passion. Yeah. All twisted up like a pair of pants. She was probably begging him to do it moments before. And he just took a little too we far. Talked, we talked about he's Lenny. Right. He didn't know. I want to pet the puppy, George. He did not know that he was taking it to 11. And that's unfortunate. Certainly possibility in this case. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm starting to notice a trend though. The sex worker trend. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, they're that's definitely all prostitutes. Yeah, it's horseshit. I, I mean, know. how would you like it? You know, what if you were somebody that drove your vehicle around a lot, and there's some asshole that walked around burning down gas stations? Now I talk. <laughs> be pissed. <laughs> I talk about sex workers on here, and I have no issue with it. It's oldest oldest trade in the game. You know what I mean? But. If you're doing things like that to better yourself, you know, and I hate to, I'm not pointing the finger at the victims, but it does not sound like this was like in a, you know, like a enterprise for these people. You know, this was not a, there were, there were no entrepreneurs here. I think they were, they were feeding their habit. Amateurs. Yeah. They were just getting enough to get by. Right. Which everybody works in nine to five almost every week to do that. So like I get that part, but one another trend here is they see they seem to be increasing in age because in late September of 04, he meets a forty year old sex worker, Linda Neal. In the parking lot of a furniture store that my mother worked at for thirty years. <laughs> That's Can you believe that? Crazy. Uh, you think Linda was kneeling? Probably um, there's a little alley in between the so, warehouse and the of course showroom. He offered her drugs in exchange for sex, to which she agreed. And as with the previous victims, uh, took her to his house. Um, they please don't say they took crack. They took, you don't took you don't take a crack. They took crack cocaine. 
before engaging before in intercourse. Before engaging in intercourse. I, could you imagine what sex is like on crack? I can't. I don't know what it's like to be on crack, so I cannot. I can't. Well, I. Me neither. But connect the dots. It sounds like it'd be okay. Ah, oh, probably. I mean, probably be better than okay. You ever sure. seen the movie Traffic? No. Never with Michael. Uh, Michael the, Douglas. The most vi- the the best visual I have in my mind of what it's like to smoke crack is and have sex. Well, just the crack, just crack. part is in. The Wolf of Wall, the Wolf of Wall Street, uh-huh. when J- Jordan Belfort is sitting out back of that restaurant with that dude he met, who's like, "Show me your pay stub, and I'll come work for you." And they go out back, and they're sitting in some little closet. And he smokes crack, and he's like, <laughs> he's like instantly like, <laughs> see, so obviously um, sex wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Um, I I'll say though, it's I I have no interest in finding out how. Good or bad, that is. Um, so after she falls asleep, Larry strangles her. Because um, his mother was at home. Yeah, and his mother's at home, so he decides to dispose of the body away from the house, out of respect, of course. And uh, he takes the body to Tazewell County, which is in Peoria, or excuse me, on the East Peoria side of the river, where he discarded it on the roadside, um, leaving traces from a shoelace on her neck. He conducted the autopsy, or in conducting the autopsy, the coroner found biological evidence from a male perpetrator in the victim's body. Um, I, I, that's the most eloquent way I've ever heard someone say, like, we found your cum inside of her. Biological <laughs> we evidence? We found biological evidence from the male perpetrator. In the victim's body. And after his arrest, uh, several cigarette butts were taken from his home, sent for DNA profiling, where it was found to match the DNA of the killer. You want to catch any trailer park serial killer? It's the cigarette butts. It gets you every time. It gets you every time. There's plenty to choose from. Nope, absolutely. And uh, so as we carry this on into more... Crimes and killing. We'll get into crime number two. Well, really not two, but this I guess it'd be like four. Yeah. Right? But second incident, the big incident, maybe. Um, so his last confirmed murder took place in October of two thousand four, where he kills forty one year old Brenda Irving, and during the interrogation he claims that he had no memory of the woman's name or where they met. Uh he took her again to his house where they, again, took drugs for about an hour and engaged in intercourse before he attacked her. He admits that she was particularly strong, which is, sounds weird to say, and resisted fiercely. Why is that so funny? I, I don't know. It just seems, like, fighting a, for her life just seems like an odd thing to recall. Crackden um, <laughs> in Peoria County. Uh, so she's apparently particularly strong, resists fiercely, and nearly renders him unconscious. Which you said this he's a big guy. Oh, he's a big dude, yeah. So uh she nearly manages to run away, but was unable to open the door and leave the building, which enabled him to strike her several times in the back of the head. Once immobilized immobilized, she's he strangled her to death. While still intoxicated, he intended to dispose of her body in a nearby lake but he became disoriented and instead discarded the corpse near a dairy farm in Peoria County instead where it was found shortly after. So just like with most serial killers, if Larry sticks to the old tried and true, murders them, burns them in mom's backyard, and crushes the bones up, he probably could do this for a while. So let's talk about that. So his nickname's the Bone Crusher, but I don't. We haven't talked once about him crushing a bone. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into okay. it. Okay. But the only bone Larry's been crushing is his own. own yeah. So, but, but he gets sloppy, you know. Well, that's yeah. That typically is the case. Um, can you imagine that feeling of put yourself in Miss Brenda's shoes? Okay. Um, being attacked by this ogre of a man. Being able to fight back enough to basically run away 
and the only thing between you and freedom is not being able to open a door. Like we've all had this dream, right? Yeah. Where you're running away from a terrifying situation, you can't do a simple task like open a door, and now you're or dead. there's a hundred people and you can't for some reason your voice decides it's not working now and you can't yell for help. I, that's just got to be the most fucking miserable feeling ever. No, hopeless. Are you kidding me? And, and and she almost knocked his ass out. You know right. what I mean? Like, and that's what we talked about the Dahmer thing. A little shoulder at the in that thing. We talked about she the Dahmer thing out. at the beginning. Old boy that eventually got away. Like that happened to him. Like he gets to the door once and there's like four locks on it. He's trying to get him undone. And then you know because he knocked Jeff down. Jeff fights him and he finally like knocks him down for you know more aggressively, whatever, where it takes him longer to recover, and he gets out. Milwaukee was rough at the time. He just didn't <laughs> want nobody breaking in. Um, so between March of 2001 and October of 2004, the bodies of six women were found in rural areas around um, the Illinois counties of Peoria and Tazewell. Uh, four other women were reported missing from the area. In October of 2004, the Peoria County Police Department formed a task force of 13 officers, and with the input of neighboring law enforcement agencies, um, they investigated the cases. Uh, Larry comes under suspicion that December after police arrested 35-year-old sex worker Vicki Bomber uh, for theft, and while residing in the county jail, she offered to help investigators in exchange for a plea bargain, which I imagine included, I don't know, what do you think? Some crack. <laughs> it seems like that's You'd the common thing. So, yeah, that's all they want. Um, so she claimed that in July, a client named Larry Bright lured her into an outbuilding of his mother's home uh, where he lived. And uh, after sharing alcohol and drugs, he attacked her and attempted to rape her at knife point. But she managed to escape after a struggle. How much crack do you think they took in mom's outbuilding? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't even have like a reference for what like what the appro- how much crack what you the do a- take. What the appropriate amount of crack to take it. I wish I would have found that. Well, we're, right, took, we're talking about took crack. taking crack. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, hold on here. Let me find my spot. Where are we? Since oh yeah 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 so. Um, since the alleged incident occurred five months prior to her arrest, authorities questioned the legitimacy of her statement, and she claimed that she was afraid to report the incident, uh, and then she had failed to appear in court on other charges. Uh, while, uh, while officers later confirmed when checking her criminal history... Okay, so to rephrase that, she didn't report it because she had failed to appear in court for something else. She had a warrant. She uh, yeah, hot. so she didn't want to draw attention to herself. Um, and then while investigating the suspect, investigators became aware of at least six similar cases in which Bright had displayed aggressive behavior, particularly towards African-American sex workers. It's not a new, partic- that's a new wrinkle. Strictly, all of these women Has not been mentioned to this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess in the beginning they kind of did, but right. in the murders part of it, I don't think, I think it really I mattered. think you made the mistake. I think you made the mistake of assuming the listeners would assume yeah, the cracked out sex workers were African American. No, but like I said in the open, yeah, now let me just skate right past that. No, no but moving but, on. Yeah, moving on. Carry on. Um, so he is detained and interrogated in late December, uh, where he's told that he could be charged with illegal deprivation of liberty um, under aggravated circumstances. Would you ever want to have your liberty deprived? Not like that. <laughs> um, he refused to cooperate with officers denied the charges, and was released shortly after due to lack of evidence. Uh, the DA was granted a search warrant on the 20th of 05, um, January 20th of 05, allowing investigators to search his property for potential evidence. During the search, uh, police attention was drawn to several plots of excavated land in which his mother claimed originated when she and her son removed several raspberry bushes. So mom is covering that ass. Yeah. I think she knows more than... She's well, putting on. She, He's killing all the these home. women in your garage yeah. and burning them in the backyard. Uh, so when digging through the area, officers found ashes and many small bone fragments. And based on this evidence, he was temporarily detained in the Tazewell County Jail. Um, after forensic examination determined that the bone fragments were hu- of human origin, uh, he was charged with murder. And then uh, pro- the prosecutor ordered his house to be excavated not long after 
he confessed to the murder of eight women. So, that, I mean, we basically talked about four, right? Four, that, six, that we six bodies were found, and four more were reported missing. But, you know, even in his first one, he said he doesn't remember, which right. I find that so, hard to believe. So this is where the, you know, we kind of get a glimpse into the bone crusher situation, right? You know, we're finding bone fragments. Yeah, I believe it was four in total that right. he, that's, the other ones, like, in the beginning, that's how he started. So where whereabouts was this was this property? Like I said, I think it's You're out familiar? towards, like, Cameron Lane, out Mossville, right. out that way. Um, so as a part of his plea bargain and full confession, he was spared the death penalty on May 30th of 06. He got sentenced to eight terms of life in prison. Why do they do that? Why, what, wouldn't one term of life? enough like yeah, what's, no parole i don't i don't get it but without the possibility of parole now do you think you get like you could be paroled on one of those counts is that why they do that like some they may decide to parole you on one of your counts of life sentence but you still have seven in the bag or something like no because usually when you're given life it's without the possibility of parole right. so what's do you think it's just more of a regardless prin- a principle? regardless they give these assholes too many freedoms now Granted, there probably is a couple cats on death row that Shouldn't didn't be. do a thing, right? You know, so they're the ones who actually need those freedoms. But yeah, I get that, and that might be why. You know, we talked about Albert Fish was executed pretty quick, right? Compared to today's standards. Oh, and yeah, so they'll sit around for years. And maybe that's why, and, and some of it is, I'm sure, the appeals process, so well, on and so it's, forth. It's money. It's money. It's money. It's money. You think they make money off having these guys on death row? I don't know. I. I'm just having them in the house. You know what I mean? Think Somebody's like a, paying You think it's like them. a school? Where oh, like yeah. They, they get more keep numbers based up. off Guaranteed. attendance. They get, they get uh, money from the government. You're probably right. I'm if just, it's empty, how many people you put out of work? I guess you're right. You know it um, works that way. I don't know, though, man. I, I just That I mean, flies all up your ass. It is, man. dude. It's killing me. You're like the one Landing that on got the, away. Land. Larry should have <laughs> <laughs> buried you somewhere. Hey, at least I'm safe from Gary Ridgeway. <laughs> the flies, are the here. flies have showed up. He will not be fucking me. Um, unfortunate for us. So, uh, during his court hearings, he confessed to additional murders in Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Washington, and Arizona. Um, you know, later he retracted his statements, which seems weird. I don't know why you'd throw that shit out there and reel it back in. Also, expressed that he contemplated suicide on multiple occasions. That would have saved a lot of people some trouble. Um, and he never followed through due to his religious beliefs. Yeah, yeah he okay. just started. What? Though. What? If you want to go see Jesus, let's go what see him. What are these religious beliefs where you won't take your own life, but you're perfectly okay with taking the lives of eight other people? I don't what know. What religion is this one? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I guess I we won't go down that road. Uh, so Bright admitted that he intended to attack the arresting officers with knives so that they would just shoot him. But refrained because his mother was at the scene. Mama's so, boy, big time mama's Mom, boy. It's just so weird, like that you you can restrain yourself in these weird situations because of whatever your religion is, which seems very bizarre. And then your mother, which that one I think I could relate to in a way. I mean, that one makes maybe some sense. Well, you're saying if Betsy was here right now, you wouldn't be acting all out of pocket. No, I'm saying that. I could see where you wouldn't maybe want your mother to see you be killed or something. Right, like, right. you wouldn't want to put that on her. Um, although you have no problem with your mother watching you go to prison or be sentenced to... Killing eight, eight other mothers. Sentences. Right. So, um, investigators proposed racism as the primary motive for his killings. He denied this, instead giving several explanations for his motives. At first, he claimed that he developed a misogynistic view of African-American women after contracting HIV-AIDS from a sex worker. So what, what do you call if you discriminate against someone over AIDS? What's that called? I don't know. I used to call it homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, now I but think now it it's evolved. A, yeah. Um, it's not a bad game plan, though. No, it's, it's, you're usually, discriminate it's usually a good anybody. group to avoid. Uh, so he tested negative for the virus, and this explanation was questioned, or you know, this explanation became questioned because of that. 
Later, he claimed that as a 19-year-old boy serving a prison sentence, that he was sexually abused on multiple occasions by African-American prisoners, you called this one, and developed an urge to punish black men for causing him harm. Uh, as he was not sexually attracted to men, and later, uh, in later years, he claimed that his hatred shifted focus on the female sex workers. So, pincushion. That pincushion v pincushion. Pincushion v pincushion. So we have actual pins versus the fleshy version. Yeah. Um, which one? Was Larry. You... <laughs> Larry got the blacks on blondes it... treatment in prison. <laughs> it's very unfortunate, and he's just taking out all that pent up hatred. Which which would which punishment would you prefer? I would take the needles in my anus. Dozens of sure. needles in your gooch. Absolutely. Or dozens of <laughs> Gimme your sewing kit right now. Would you rather kneel before a dozen African princes? <laughs> oh, I'd rather take the needles every day of my life. Uh every day. Oh, I agree, for sure. Um before handing down the life sentence, the judge, Judge James Shadid, yeah. a very popular name around this area, uh, told him that the victim's family showed more consideration, more mercy, and more respect for your life than you showed for theirs. And a big part of that was the when they had first you know, discussed the death penalty, that that's not what they had wished for Mr. Bright. Do you think... Which is crazy, because there's ever been... Um, a scenario where like, okay, so I'm going to use your scenario because I think it's, we've, we've maybe discussed how there's a member of your family that you have a pretty significant disdain for. Yeah. And if someone like a Larry came along and took care of that situation, um, you think there, there's ever been someone like that who was like, you know, waiting outside the courthouse for when they're walking back to the jail, like, high five. Dap them up. <laughs> Dap Dap them up. up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I got a couple on that list. Lady. I mean, and you have you have to imagine, and I'm not, I hate to make assumptions, but like being sex workers, they probably were like sort of estranged from their families, you know? Less than dead. Right. We, we talk about it all the time. And they, you know, they Black the sheep, perfectly. no pun intended. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just... And I'm not saying there aren't people that Obviously are like all, that that all had addictions. And I'm not saying there aren't people that do that that aren't that aren't loved by their families. But there's probably some of them where the families are like, "Get the fuck away from me!" Right. You know, at least they are not bothering me anymore. Um, and that's what I was saying earlier when I was talking about sex workers. They're not doing this like as a profession. They're basically doing this to to fundraiser. Their, yeah, exactly. Um, Turkey trot. So prosecutor Kevin Lyons said he agreed to the deal after consulting with victims' families who generally supported uh, sparing Larry's life in exchange for the guilty pleas. Yeah, which I, my hat's off to them because I'd be like, fuck it, let's burn him. I, mean, I don't get that. Do you think there's you... a compulsion, though, by people in that situation to like take the higher take road? Take the high road, no. like some sort of self righteous. There might be, but. Self fulfilling prophecy of like. There might be, but I wouldn't have it. No, I think people do that too often. Oh, for like sure. Too, too far too often, people decide to take the high road. They're, you know, I think in more situations, people should just. He never took it once. It. You know what I mean? No. So why would you give him the opportunity? Not at all. No, I mean, I, I get. Like it. I said he, he loves Jesus. Let's uh, let's give Facil- him the opportunity to meet him. Let's facilitate that meeting. No, I agree. Um, you think about it, it, as weird as it is, I've been listening to uh, it's called this podcast called The Operator. It's at Rob O'Neill, the one guy that shot Bin Laden or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, he talks about, he does some bits where he's talking about, you know, Al Qaeda and the terrorists and stuff. And just like they, you know, it's not often that you fight an enemy that just they have no fear of dying. Like, you know, the, it's, a, it's a promotion to them. them yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Jihad. And it's, you know, they're happy, very happy to die for what they believe in. And uh, it's just bizarre. It has to be difficult to fight that type of enemy. I feel like they should have seen how happy he would have been. <laughs> oh, Larry? Yeah. Apparently so. He's still alive, unfortunately. We're still feeding him. Do you know him, where, so. whereabouts he's... I did. I looked, but I can't remember. No, it's got to be... 
Statesville, I believe, or what what would be the equivalent of Statesville now? So I'm I pretty think sure it closed. Well, no, it's there, but it, it, there's like there's two different parts of it because like if you go to He's state, if you go to state prison in Illinois, you go there first. There's like a processing center, and then right, you right. get shipped out from there. Uh, but there's also I think he's in the long. There's also a long stay, yeah, long stay, uh, version, long long stay. Because um, I want to say he was at Menard to begin with, and then it closed, or Joliet it, maybe. One of Joliet's the ones that closed, Statesville. and they moved him somewhere else. Statesville's Joliet. Well, one of them yeah. that closed. And um, he got pushed around because I was, you know, I got on the little uh, registry or whatever where you could go and right. see and get see all this fucking. Pictures they've updated, and you know, just want to check in on him, see how he's doing. Uh, now, there's been some of these guys we've talked about that I'd be halfway interested in, like having a conversation with. This guy is not one of them, and not because I think I mean yeah, he's obviously a piece of shit, right? It's not that uh, that it's I'm like oh he you know he's such a piece of shit I I, I don't even want to see him living. No, he um, he looks like a huge goob. I just it's not. There's I don't nothing, think he brings much to the There's nothing table. remotely intriguing about him at all. And I think after going through this, I think you are right. I think that there's a good chance that his stint he did in prison at 19 years old, whatever happened to him there, yeah, power bottom, probably did set him on this. And realistically, like his explanation of being fucking hammered in prison and getting out and saying, all right, Payback time, <laughs> like that's Just not into dudes. Yeah, that's possible. It's very possible. Yeah, because all those victims. I'll were... say this much: this would have been a much more interesting story that we would have had a lot more fun with it if he was out there capturing and fucking black guys. <laughs> <laughs> totally for, agree. For sure. Totally agree. Hundred percent. More entertaining. Um. Well, and they all got progressively older, which I Club maybe that's Peoria, just a That's what it was. Would have been a much different place. Right. Before it burned down. <clears throat> well. No, I, I, I definitely agree, though. Do you do you care? To, or, I mean, I see you have this on here. I don't know if you, do you care to cite our sources. No, but uh, I got I got one for one on the out. But Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Larry's pretty straight to the point. There's not a lot there that to elaborate on, right? Yeah. I just kind of want to sprinkle him in there just because yeah, it's local hometown guy. So. Local, which makes it interesting. I think he's going to be out in the first round. Yes. I don't know how you don't take Albert Fish. I don't know. We have like, we have Lenny versus, I don't even know what you'd call Al. George. Maybe. It's like Lenny and George. And I think that's how this battle is going to take doesn't, place. Doesn't George ultimately the put overalls Lenny come out off. of his misery? He does. The overalls come off. So we may see that. He's going to trick him, bamboozle him <laughs> with shiny objects. And crack rocks. <laughs> the The picture I think I saw of Larry, he looks like uh, Farva off Super Troopers. He does. Blonde <laughs> Farva, yes. He does. So you, you've seen him? Just I might have just been the picture you had that you made a part of yep, yep. this thing or whatever. Yeah, he does. And I might I might have saw the black and white version, so I didn't pick up the blonde thing. He does have a little Farva. Because then he flavor. got the stash. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely looks like Farva. Yeah. He looks like he's from a trailer park in Abington. He Illinois, does. So. Why did I have Canton? I thought we had we talked about Canton. I don't know why you had Canton in mind. I don't know, but. I don't know. But I do believe. Mom's house is out that way, you know, right. Mossville, somewhere the out there. Scene Not Mossville. Uh, what am I thinking of? Like Kingston, Banner Marsh. Kingston Mines. Yeah, Banner area. Marsh. Yeah. Cameron Lane, out that There's way. There's a lot of nothing out that way. So Good place. Right. Just imagine how many things like this. And the house is still there, I checked. Because I thought, man, there's a guy, you know, rocking the grinder in the backyard, maybe... Get rid of this place, but imagine how many things like this are have probably happened at you know these remote areas that we've just never even heard of. Yeah, or guarantee probably never find out about. Right. You know, a lot of empty space out there. I mean, gosh, the mafia has done it for years, right? They're really good at it. <laughs> Absolutely. The old Pine Barrens in New Jersey. <clears throat> 
lot of bodies in that place, guaranteed. What's this? The Pine Barrens. What's that? New Jersey. What is the? Just a state forest, basically. It's like, you know, hop, skip, and a jump from New York and uh, part of Jersey. Yeah. And sounds like there's been a lot of people. That's where they end up. I've, I've never been to Jersey. I don't want to. I have but no, I zero I've heard desire. that it's just not a really pleasant. It's I've like Decatur it's, is what I've heard. I've heard it's kind of a shithole. Um, I've heard that driving in Jersey is fucking brutal. Like that they don't allow left turns. Like to take a left turn, you have to take like four right turns or something stupid. Like, um, I I I know that the people of Jersey are are white trash because I made a trip to New York. Uh, shortly this is we're probably fifteen years ago. Trash here in West Virginia. With a couple of buddies. No, listen, I made a trip to New York City. Uh, buddy of mine's brother was a business lawyer in Manhattan. Had an apartment on the Upper East Side that he probably paid. I think he lived with two roommates. I think they paid like $3,000 a month for an apartment about as big as your garage. Like no shit. Tiny. Um, and we they had some friends come over because one night, I think one of his buddies or something was going out with their friends or maybe we were all going out together. And these people come over and me and my two buddies were sitting on the couch. And he's like, hey, this is these are Al's. Uh, my buddy's brother's name was Alan. They, they call him Al. Hey, this is Al. These are Al's brother. This is Al's brother and his friends. Where do you think they're from? And this chick looks over. She goes, Jersey. <laughs> and so that's all I needed to know. I'm like, <laughs> okay, all right, yep. They think Jersey. they thought you guys were from Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Jer- Jersey is the trailer park of New York City. Got it. <laughs> it's like message received. Jersey Shores. Up until that time, I'd only ever seen marijuana in a bag. Where'd you there, see? There, it was like in this beautiful jars? acrylic display thing. Oh, yeah. You never seen it in the cookie jars? No, I mean... That's talking about with the flip tops. Yeah, I mean, I'm t- this is 15 years ago, though. This is before it was... No, it's always been cool. You know? Just... But I'm saying before cool. it was, you know, legal in a lot of places. You know right. what I mean? Like, like damn it, high-class drug dealer. <laughs> you know Get it out of jars. <laughs> We gotta keep that. No, it in. was like the it was like a rectangular deal. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, you purchased it. In no, this. no. I mean, my buddy's brother had it like sitting on his entertainment center. Like, oh. I mean, it was yeah, same thing though, like a skunk box, just yeah, so you, it don't stink the house up. Right, but yeah. it was this little acrylic, yeah, fancy, cube. yeah, had a little sticker on it or whatever, probably like a what label. Sticker say, I don't remember. Oh, he got it from the dealer. Like, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying okay. he wasn't storing it that no, way. No, that's no. how he got it. I'm saying some high class shit. I'm down with it. The guy was just ahead of the game. Apparently so. So, what do you think? I'd say we're good, man. Yeah. Get out of here. Very unfortunate, Larry. No I don't beer. have a beer. I don't have a beer. So I don't know what we're gonna do, but you need to go get one. Nah, All fuck right. it. We'll do it anyway. All right. Here's to those that wish us well. All the rest can go to hell. Fuck you, Phil Luciano. <laughs> Everybody in the club getting tipsy. Everybody in the club getting tipsy. Everybody in the club getting tipsy.